you so much. Thank you, worship team. I want to thank everybody who participated in Love Loud, uh, either beforehand by helping us get ready or serving. We had just a great, great weekend. Thank you guys so much. Uh, still getting stories and pictures uh, of things coming in. Um, UZL sent a picture in of when they went to visit the fire departments, and he said, look closely. You'll see uh, there's one where a guy's a little blurry, and he's got his hand up. It's like as we were visiting with them in the fire department, they got a call about a heart attack that they had to respond to. So right in that moment, you know, those guys were called into action. And so just a, just a great reminder to us of, uh, of why we go, you know, that we want to go encourage people. We want to go love people. We want to go show and share the love of Jesus to our neighborhood all around us. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, so we are uh, continuing this series called Unhindered. Today we're talking about being unhindered even against uh, spiritual darkness, that we can live victorious lives even in, uh, against spiritual darkness. And, you know, I think I've told you guys that uh, my favorite Christian artist is a guy named David Crowder. And one of my favorite songs of his is um, Run, Devil, Run. And uh, it's this great video where, uh, you know, the music video for it is David Crowder is being chased by the devil. He's in this really cool 70s Camaro, and the devil's in an El Camino, and he's chasing him through uh, the, the south, down the dirt roads. Crowder says it's like smoking the bandit meets Jesus. And so he's being chased by the devil while he's, you know, while he's singing this song. And, and then at some point in the song, he realizes, wait a minute, why am I running? You know, I got the King of Kings, I got the Lord of Hosts, I got angel armies, I got the Holy Ghost. And so he spins his car around and the devil turns his, and, and, the, and he starts chasing the devil off. And he sings that verse, run, devil, run. And I love that because I don't know about you, well, I do know about you. There are times where we feel like we're going through a spiritual battle and the devil's got us on the run. There are times where you know, things are going on in our lives or the lives of, of others around us. And, you know, we just feel like we're under attack. Maybe it's temptation. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's something in a relationship or, or with your marriage. Maybe it's a struggle. You know, maybe it's something with one of your kids. You know, they're just not walking with the Lord or not walking with the Lord like they used to. You've done your best to raise them up and to train them up, but now they're headed down a, a different path. And it just breaks your heart because they're falling for all the enemy's lies and tricks and and you just feel powerless to do anything about it. You feel like the devil's got you on the run. Well, today we're going to look at a really powerful story here in Acts chapter 19, and we're going to see that it doesn't have to be that way. Not because we put the devil on the run, but because we go to God, we trust in Jesus, we depend on the power of the Holy Spirit, and we rest in and we rely on him to do the fighting for us. For him to be the one who puts the devil on the run. So open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 19. We're going to be starting off in verse 11, just reading about 10 verses. And this story really ties in with where we're going to uh, be in a couple of weeks. Um, but this is just a great story. It says in verse 11, reading out of the New Living Translation, it says, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Well, a group of Jews traveling from town to town uh, were casting out evil spirits, and they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva Sceva was a leading priest. They were doing this. And, but one time when they tried it, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? 
And then the man with the evil spirit leaped on him, overpowered him, attacked him with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. Woo! <laughs> the, the story of what happened quick, spread quickly throughout all of Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended on the city. In the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. And the value of those books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. All right, so we're going to talk today about how you and I can live unhindered lives, even when we face the enemy's attack, even when, when in the face of spiritual darkness. And I think there's a few things that we can learn from this passage. And the first is this, is, is just the reality of supernatural activity. That's one of the first things I think we can learn is just the reality. See, we got darkness falling on the stage physically right now, you know. Just the reality of, you know, one of the things that we see is that there really is supernatural forces at work, you know. Uh, you, you go to a place like Sedona, Arizona, and it doesn't take much to realize, yeah, those people believe in all sorts of weird stuff. I remember we went up there uh, years and years ago, and uh, just the, 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 the New Age presence and the belief in all this weird spiritual stuff was very evident. And, and that's what you see here in this, in this story, you know. You got Paul. It says in verse 11 that Paul was doing unusual miracles. Other translations say they were extraordinary or extraordinary miracles. And that's, it's interesting. What's, what's noteworthy is that a miracle by definition is already unusual. It's already something out of the ordinary, you know. If it wasn't, then it wouldn't be a miracle. But what the Bible says is that God was empowering Paul and God was working through Paul to do unusual miracles. In other words, more miraculous miracles. And, and what a lot of commentators say is that, is that we see God using miracles, doing, going above and beyond miracles that, that we'd seen done before to shine the light of Jesus brighter than in many other places because Ephesus was spiritually dark than many other places. Ephesus was kind of like Corinth. It was a place that was a home to a lot of different uh, temples, and there was about probably 50 different gods and goddesses that were being worshipped. The most noteworthy is Artemis. Like I said, we'll get into that in a couple of weeks. But so we see supernatural activity, and, and really not even just a healing or two here or there, but lots of people being healed and lots of uh, evil spirits being cast out. Um, as a result, another example we see is these traveling Jewish uh, uh, exorcists, you know, guys casting out demons. They're going town to town doing this. And there's some debate as to whether or not they were really actually casting out demons or whether they were conning people. But regardless, the, the people were very aware uh, of the reality of supernatural activity, both good and evil. And then the third example we get in this story, you see that uh, this story is it's very comical this evil spirit who whoops some tail. You know, he kicks these guys' uh, rear ends. You know, we get a very clear depiction that supernatural activity uh, was very present there in Ephesus, spiritual forces at work, and, the, and, and that they're nothing to be messed with, you know. And it wasn't just that these guys couldn't cast out this demon. We see them physically attacked and beaten so bad that they flee from there, wounded and, and naked. And, and it says the news spread throughout 
Ephesus, throughout the region. This wasn't just some urban legend that happened to somebody's barber's cousin's neighbor's dog walker. I mean, this was something that everybody knew about, and word was spreading all throughout the region. Here's the deal. Here's the deal, guys. Since the creation of this world, since the garden, when, when the devil tempted Eve and, and Adam and Eve gave in to sin, we've seen the effects of spiritual forces at work in our world. And it's, and it's going to continue until Jesus comes back, until he defeats Satan and his armies and throws, throws Satan into the lake of fire, until Jesus uh, bring, comes forth and brings the, the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem and establishes his reign forever and ever. There's going to be spiritual warfare. There's going to be, uh, the enemy is going to be active. He's going to do everything he can to get as many people as possible to not believe in Jesus. And he's going to do everything he can to get those of us who are already Christians to be powerless and ineffective and feeling like we have no, no hope. So what do we do? How do we respond in a wise and healthy and balanced way to the knowledge that there's spiritual activity going all around us? Well, that brings us to number two. If you're following along in your outline, it helps me to preach with an outline. I hope it helps you to, to, to learn with an outline. But number two is this. Here's a healthy approach to supernatural activity is don't minimize or overemphasize the supernatural. Don't, don't, you know, as we've seen in this story, there's no denying the reality of supernatural uh, forces at work. The Bible's got plenty of stories all throughout the Bible of, of spiritual activity. You know, some of it, like in the, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, you've got some stories about angels coming to speak to people, bringing a, a message directly from God. You've got other stories. Uh, you know, I'm reading through the Old Testament right now, and, and I love the stories where, where God fights for his people. And some stories where angels literally come and either, you know, fight on behalf of God's people or surround us city and, and the people don't know why the enemy didn't attack and it's like you know didn't you see and he opens their eyes and the, the 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 city's just surrounded by God's army and there's amazing stories like that and then you you get to the gospels and you see a lot of stories uh, about Jesus casting demons out of people and so so this story here uh in Acts is really not unique to the Bible there's a lot of them like scripture all, all throughout scripture and and to be honest it's pretty interesting you know, it's, it's, it, you know, stories like this are kind of mysterious. They're a little bit weird. And some of us like weird, you know. It's intriguing. We want to learn more about it, you know. Others, you know, not so much. We're happy just to like, nope, I don't want to learn about that. I don't want to know about that. I don't, I don't even want to just, I just want to go about my life. And, you know, and, and here's the caution. Supernatural forces, spiritual activity, both good and evil, is, is present all around us. The danger is when we let ourselves swing to one extreme or the other with these things. The danger is, is you know, to one extreme, some people get really wrapped up in learning about angels and demons and, 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 and new age stuff and occult and all this kind of stuff. There, that's one side. The other danger is people are like, no, I'd just be happy to go through life blissfully ignorant of, of spiritual activity all around me. I don't want to know about it. I just, you know, just totally ignore it. And this is the caution. Both extremes of either overemphasizing or, or, or minimizing is exactly where the enemy wants you. You know, if you overemphasize it and you're, you're, you're digging into all this stuff, then there's a chance you're going to get your eyes off of Jesus. And when you're minimizing it and ignoring it, well, good gracious, that's exactly where the enemy wants you. He wants you to think there's nothing that he's doing and he's not, he's not messing with you in any way, shape, or form at all. 
So that leads us to number three, how we should respond. And number three is very simply this, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. The way we respond to, to spiritual activity and to, uh, and to the, re- the reality that there are spiritual forces out there at work is we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, some of y'all who have been with us since we've been in Acts beginning in January of last year have been like, wait a minute, you've used that before. I, re- I remember that point, and you're probably right. I have used that before. You've heard that before. You're going to hear it some more. Okay, because that I told you way back when we started all of this, when we started Acts, there are two main themes that weave their way all throughout the book of Acts. One of them is the priority of the spread of the gospel. That's one of the main messages that weaves its way all through Acts. The other is the the need to be dependent on the power of the Holy Spirit. And what we've seen over and over and over is that when the church, when the early church and the early Christians kept their focus on Jesus and kept uh, the priority of the gospel as as their main focus, and when they depended on the power of the Holy Spirit, that's when we see amazing, incredible, awesome things happening in the story, in, in the book of Acts. We've also seen that just about every time people got their eyes off Jesus and just about every time they depended on their own power, that's when the wheels fall off. That's when things go bad. That's what we've seen all throughout Acts, and that's what we see right here in this story. It says in Acts 19.11, it says that God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. You know, Paul wasn't doing this on his own. Paul wasn't out there, you know, just, you know, hey, look what I can do, bringing attention to himself. You know, he was only able to do these incredible things by God's power, by the power of the Holy Spirit on him, by God working in him, by God working through him. On the flip side, we, we see what happens when someone tries to confront evil spiritual forces in their own power. Instead of depending on the Holy Spirit, we see in uh, Acts 19, verse 15 and 16, it says, but one time when they, talking about the, the, the sons of Sceva, uh, when they tried it, when they tried to cast out an evil spirit, uh, the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus, and I know Paul. Actually, uh, another translation says, and I know about Paul, or I've heard of Paul, but who are you? I know Jesus. And I know who Paul is, but, but who are you calling on their name? Then the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, attacked them with such violence, they fled from the house naked and battered. My friend Jason up in Phoenix preached on this a while back, and he's like, I'm from Oklahoma, and if you get in a fight and you end a fight with less clothes than you started, there's a good chance you lost that fight. <laughs> So what's going on here with, with, these, with these guys, these, these seven sons of a Jewish priest, is they, they had seen the powerful miracles that, that Paul had done. They had probably even heard Paul teaching and teaching about Jesus. And they figured, you know, they could just add Jesus' name and Paul's name to whatever little incantation that they had worked up that they were doing, and it would just sort of boost things up. It would just sort of give them an extra zap, you know? It'd give them a little bit extra power. Here's the deal. They had no power. They didn't have Jesus. They didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit in them and on them. And as a result, they get their tails whooped. Things turn out bad. And let me just pause. Let me just pause and caution us. If you're a believer here today, I don't want you to go away going, oh, I got the power. You know, I can go after the enemy all my, you know, because I got Jesus. I can do, no, that is not what this is teaching. 
Matter of fact, what the Bible tells us is, is that it warns us against going around, you know, confronting demons and stirring up trouble with the enemy. The Bible warns us to be on our guard and depend on the Lord and depend on his protection because there are spiritual enemies that we face that are way more powerful than anything we could ever imagine. Look at Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. It's no, no coincidence that Paul writes this section on spiritual warfare to the church at Ephesus where this story happened. Years later, he's writing them and he says, a final word, like a reminder, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Paul warns them, guys, do not try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy. Don't, you know, don't say, look at me, look what I can do. Instead, we depend on the Lord. And then you go down to verse 18, he tells us what the key is where the victory is, he says in verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times, pray in the Spirit, excuse me, pray in the Spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. What does Paul say the victory is? Where's the victory found? And what? Starts with P, ends with rare. What is it? Prayer. I use that joke all the time, but it's just, it's just so, guys, prayer is where the power is. Prayer is where the power, he says, he says to be persistent. Prayer is our best defense. Prayer and getting into God's word so that you can understand how to pray better and asking the Holy Spirit to help you understand God's word, that's our best chance for victory. That's our best chance to live unhindered, even against the attacks of the enemy and the strategy and the schemes. Finally, number four, Remember that it's all about God's glory and the spread of the gospel. That's what it's all about, guys. It's all about God getting the glory and more and more people coming to know about Jesus and less and less people heading to hell. I want us to look at the results of this story. It's so amazing. And it really, it's going to lead into what we're going to talk about in a couple weeks. Next week's Easter, got a special message. Spoiler alert, it's about Jesus. But Acts 19... 17 to 20. Look at the results. It said, the story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear de descended on the city. It's like they became aware of, wow, we're messing around with some stuff we don't need to be messing around with. And the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. And many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. And the value of these books was several million dollars. How many of y'all, your translation says something like 50,000 silver? All right, so this, this, is, this is calculated for inflation, all right? And, and maybe today, never mind, I'm just going to shut up right now. All right. <laughs> the value was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. I want you to notice something in this story. In this story, it doesn't, say, it doesn't say anything about Paul having anything to do with this evil spirit who kicked these guys' tails. Now, it does say that, and I, and I tried to read different commentaries to see if there's an explanation on it. It said that if there was a, a rag or an apron that touched 
Paul's skin, that it had the, the power to heal and cast out demons. And the, the, the best explanation I could find for that is remember that Paul was a, what was his job? Tent maker. So Paul would, would work during the day, then they'd take a break, you know, in the afternoon, and, you know, everybody would rest. Well, during that time, Paul would teach, then he'd go back to working in the late afternoon and evening. And so, possibly, when he'd take off his sweatband or, you know, his handkerchief or his, you know, you know canvas apron or whatever, you know, people would take that, and, and I don't know if they believed it had power or really had power. Tony Evans said he had sanctified sweat. I don't know. But whatever it was, it, something amazing and incredible and miraculous was going on. But Paul didn't, we don't see Paul going up after this demon. Paul just kept on preaching Jesus. Paul just stayed focused on telling people about Jesus. He just kept pointing people to Jesus, that, that Jesus is the one they've been looking for, that he's the one who can heal. He's the one who can save. He's the one who can deliver. He's the only one who can give you peace with God if you'll place your faith in him and trust in him. And I want you to look and see what happens as a result. Three things. We see that the gospel is spread even further. Now, a couple weeks ago, as Jeff talked about, the gospel had been spread to all of Asia. The name of Jesus had become known throughout all of western Turkey. But here it says the gospel spread even more. Penetrated deeper, went further, the gospel spread further. People radically abandoned their sin. How many of y'all struggle with, with something? And you're like, God, would you just get me out of this? And, and next week, you're like, oh, I did it again. And, and what people radically abandoned their, their, their sinful practices, the Bible tells us. And then the third thing we see is that God was glorified. You know, if we could say three things about our church, about the impact God's making through us, wouldn't you want it to be these three things? Wouldn't you want it to be that God is using us to spread, not that we're doing it, but God's working in and through us to spread the gospel further and farther than ever before. That people's lives are being transformed in huge, incredible ways. That they're leaving their lives of sin and they're turning to Jesus and experiencing the, the hope and peace that only comes through him. And that God is glorified. I don't know about you, but I know I would love it if that's what people said about 22nd Street Baptist. I would love it if that's what he said about you, about your connect group, about our men's ministry, our women's ministry, our youth ministry, our kids' ministry, about every ministry in our church. That the gospel's being spread further. That people's lives are being radically transformed as they're abandoning their sin and that God's being glorified. Our response song is I Surrender All. You know, the story in this, in this story, it said that people came and, and surrendered what they were holding on to. Some translations, the way they say it, it almost makes it look like there were people who were already believers who still were holding on to these sinful practices. And they also came and turned stuff over. So my question for you today is, what do you need to surrender? Where do you need to surrender? What do you need to give up? Maybe for you today, there's a battle that you feel like you've been in, and you've been trying your best. You've been just as hard as you can. Maybe today's the day where you say, God, I surrender this to you. I can't win, but I know that Jesus can, and I'm trusting in him, and I'm trusting in your power, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep on praying 
so that you get the glory and the victory. Maybe where you need to surrender today is you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to place your faith in Jesus to save you. You're going you're gonna to go through battles whether you're a Christian or not. Why not go through battles with Jesus? Why not go through life with Jesus on your side? Stop trying to go through this life on your own. Instead, place your faith in him. Will you pray with me? All across the room, heads bowed, eyes closed. Let the Holy Spirit just continue to speak to you. Father, we just come before you. And I do pray that we would surrender all. That in, as we sing this next song, God, that we would not hold on to a single thing. That we would just lay it down at your feet. Lay it down maybe right up here at the, at the front. Lay it down beside us at our chair. I just pray that we would surrender all. I lift up those who are believers who are fighting a battle right now. That they would surrender that fight to you. And let you fight for them. That they would just run to you right now. Like sheep to the shepherd. I pray for those who need to place their faith in Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation for them. I pray they would call out to you in, this, in the simplest way they know how, just to call out to you and say, I'm done running. I surrender. I'm yours. Please save me. Forgive me. I place my faith in Jesus today.